Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode three of Grow With Soul. I'm mixing it up a bit this week. This isn't a traditional interview, but a coaching call where we dig into some real life business and marketing problems and find some solutions to them. My guest is Cara Lee Ford, a ceramicist and potter based just outside of Bath in Somerset. After starting pottery as a hobby 14 years ago, Cara went full time in 2015 and now makes tableware in her garden studio. In our conversation, we cover so much from tactics for dealing with comparison, creating effective work routine, all things email marketing, and also creating content when writing doesn't come easily to you. I know that not only will you love Cara, but that you will relate to so much of what we talk about in this episode. So let's dive in. So hi, Cara. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's a a beautiful evening in North Wales and I know you're in Somerset, so you must have an even more beautiful evening. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's still beautiful, however, a little bit rainy. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not so much. (laughs) Yeah, still nice though. Good. So as I've just said, you're in Somerset. So can you give me and the listeners a little bit more about your background and what you do and kind of how you've got to the place that you're in now. Sure. So I'm Cara from Cara Lee Ford Ceramics and I'm a potter. I make tableware mostly, so mugs, plates, bowls and that kind of thing. I work from my home studio, which is currently a little nine foot by 13 foot shed um, in my back garden and I make everything inspired by the coast so I I was actually born in Devon so every color that I choose for my ceramics is inspired by the textures and colors of my favorite beaches from my childhood so I've been doing it for this will be my fourth year now Brilliant. So what were you doing before? So before I did something very similar to you, Katie, actually. I worked in marketing before um, (laughs) for my sins. So I didn't actually touch clay until I left university. I actually did fine art university. I specialised in painting. And on graduating, I got myself an office job like you do because, you know, you've got debts to pay and you have to feed yourself and you have to pay rent and things. So I got an office job and just thought, wow, this is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I need to do something just to keep that creative bone alive. So I started doing pottery classes at an evening course and absolutely fell in love with it. And then just kind of continued from there, really. And I did pottery as a hobby for about 12 years um, alongside my day job and then um, took the plunge in 2015. I never looked back? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, it was the best thing I have ever done in my entire life. It was one of those things the universe is telling me, um, Cara, you need to do this for a really long time before I actually... (laughs) did it Mm. Um, 
got the balls up to actually quit my job. There was a few kind of things that happened, like a really close friend of mine passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 32. And he was just always so, you know, he's always pushing me to kind of you know, follow my dream and you know, say to me, Car, you need to just bloody do it. Just mm-hmm. get on with it. You know, come on, life's too short. And kind of he did prove that. So that really spurred me on to look at my life and what I was doing. And, you know, I was in my 30s and not doing what I really, really wanted to do, which was being creative for a living. And I also randomly applied for the Great Pottery Throwdown. I don't know if you've ever heard (laughs) of that. (laughs) That's going big, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of like, oh, uh, sod it, you know, what have I got to do? So I just saw this advert uh, on my local pottery supplier notice board and just thought, oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like, you know, a bit like Bake Off. So (laughs) I'll give it a go. And I actually got down to the last 20 auditionees. And I was just astounded that I got that far Mm. and amazed that all of these people surrounding me were making a living from pottery. I was the only one at the auditions who wasn't a full-time potter. Uh I was, you know, I had a day job. I was doing something else at the time. I just kept on asking all of these people potters just like so so what do you do for a living and they were like well <laughs> I'm a potter <laughs> I'm a potter and I was like really you can actually make a living from it and they were like looking at me like I had two heads like <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and I was just absolutely blown away that all of these people you know no matter what form it took they were still following you know their dream and to be creative for a living so I just thought you know what life's too bloody sure I've just got to do this so I did (laughs) and that that's me really and four years later thank god I'm still here I'm still doing it I'm still loving it obviously it comes with its challenges as does any job but it's great Mm. good that's so interesting and I love that you a just applied to go on it but then also that that was a really kind of transformative experience to actually probably build your confidence up to know that you were good enough to be alongside these people doing it full time but also just kind of seeing behind the curtain almost yeah like oh this is actually something that I could really do absolutely I I'd never met another potter before so I was just (laughs) absolutely fascinated there was like you know 50 of us all in one room and I was just like God, these people are amazing. I, I just want to be like you. I want to do what you're doing. So to be doing it now really does feel like a dream come true. So let's talk a little bit about the business then. So what are your kind of biggest challenges at the moment? So in your kind of day to day, what are the things that you're finding are holding you back from getting you to where you want to be? I guess the one of the biggest things for me is comparing myself to other people mm-hmm. and you know social media has got a lot to answer for in that regard just because you know these people look like they are doing really well and you know they're always talking about how busy they are and how many orders they have and all the exciting projects that they've got on the horizon and then you know you kind of you see that and then even though I'm really busy and I've got mm-hmm. lots of exciting things going on I just kind of forget that and just think, oh gosh, you know, they must be, they must be even more busy than me. And Mm. I just think it's, it's such a energy drainer sometimes to, to look at all of those lovely pictures on 
<laughs> but on your phone and just kind of remember that actually they're probably thinking the same mm. but it's difficult to to kind of focus your mind and and not feel that comparison and yeah and looking at what everyone else is is doing as well and what's really interesting is that your journey almost started with comparing yourself to all those other full-time potters at yeah. the Great Pottery Throwdown, and that was a really positive experience. And now it's become this really negative experience for yeah. you, which in a positive way, actually, I think is a marker of how far you've progressed. Because initially it was just looking at these other people doing it professionally and seeing it as inspiration whereas now you are one of those people and you're looking at your peers now and looking at the incremental things that's difference between you so you can take that positively that you know this is a marker of how far you've come first of all yeah um but comparison is a really funny thing and it's the easiest thing in the world and everybody says it on every podcast and every blog post that you know it's is everyone else's highlight reel and you can't see their what's going on in their real lives and you can't see Absolutely. their messy houses and stuff which yeah. actually doesn't really help no <laughs> you're scrolling instagram you're like well i know their life is probably not as good as mine but also i just can't believe that right now so what i like to do with kind of dealing with comparison and there are days where you do just need to kind of sit and stew and feel a bit sad for five minutes. Um, <laughs> That's good. Because <laughs> that is just human know. nature. And yeah. don't beat yourself up for feeling human. But then it's being proactive with what you do with that feeling and not letting yourself sit in it and not letting it hold you back. So what I like to do is think, okay, well, this is somebody who has sparked this feeling in me and they've sparked that for a reason and really kind of investigate what that reason is and then use that to improve your business so sometimes it might be bad comparison so uh, this is something that I get where I might see somebody who is doing a very similar thing to me or have a very similar product to me yeah I hate the way they go about it (laughs) and I completely disagree with their methods and I'm like upset that people are buying into them. So in that kind of case, I use what they're doing and think, right, how can I be the opposite of that? And how can I use this to really inform what I'm doing? Um, But you can do that with the other type of comparison as well when you're looking at somebody and going, oh my God, they're amazing and I'm never going to be as good as them. Well, actually like get analytical about that what is it that you really like and how can you do that? So with Instagram, one of the easiest ways to do this is if you're looking at somebody's photo and it's the actual photo that you're like, oh God, I wish I could present my products like that or I wish I could just like deconstruct that image. What is it about it that you really like? Is it the composition? Is it the light? Is it the props that they've used? get really analytical about it and kind of take the emotion out of it and then see how you can recreate that in your own photos or if you know they've got a really great Instagram story or they've got a great email newsletter whatever it is kind of take that and use it for your own business yeah 
that's really interesting you said about the comparison at the beginning of you know my journey and where I am now that like, I've never ever thought of that before and that really resonates as <laughs> I'm like oh yeah <laughs> of course yeah it kind of that does make me feel a little bit nicer that I am now one of those people who I used to look at and go oh wow I want to be like you <laughs> so that's great um, and interesting as well that you mentioned about flipping it on its head so seeing what people do and maybe in a way that you don't like um that really struck a chord actually because there's a particular potter on instagram who's pretty famous pretty much one of the most famous ones Mm -hmm. but they are quite opinionated and they like to kind of talk quite a lot about the right way of making things Mm -hmm. and the wrong way of making things and when things when pottery uh, you know in their opinion is bad and reading their kind of feed just makes me feel rotten makes me feel like icky and horrible and just think god that's that's really negative you know all of the all of the budding potters around the world reading this and thinking oh well I might as well just bloody give up now Mm -hmm. it's you know, if my handles don't look like their handles, then what's the point? And um, I actually have stopped following that person now. <laughs> but I consciously, in my feed, the things that I put on Instagram, I try and be really supportive and, you know, say uh, there's lots of different ways that you can do things and there isn't one right way and there isn't one wrong way. It's just what works for you. And I try and kind of put that energy across rather than saying, well, this is the right way. This is the way I was taught at pottery school. Mm. (laughs) Kind of, I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah. And because it's the good stuff is really kind of heartbreaking. But also when you see people doing things that you disagree with and people lapping it up, that can be almost as bad. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) like really cringe. Like he'll have like loads of these comments underneath saying, oh my goodness, you're so right. It really annoys me when people make candles that way. And I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) And part of this as well is being really clear on who you are and aren't talking to and making sure that, you know, it sounds like this famous potter his audience are not your audience yeah you you don't have the same people that you want to be talking to so it's almost easier to kind of go well we're just completely different worlds yeah you carry on with what I'm you're doing and I'm gonna do what I think is right absolutely yeah and use it like that but on the other side of the coin with the people who you look at and you think oh I want to be you (laughs) yeah another good thing which I've always tried to do is to think so you've looked at what they're doing, you think, right, how can I apply that to my business? But then also, like, how can I put my business where they are? Like, how can I get in front of their audience as well? So it's that community over competition thing, but always looking for collaboration options. So for me, the, well, something that I've done around that is that there was a, well, I'm just going to say her name because uh, a coach called Lola Hode. Um, and so she is doing a very similar thing to me. We've probably got slightly different audiences, but we've got a lot of things which are in common. Yeah, And I had a lot of comparisonitis around her. Then actually I was like, I'm just going to send her an email. And from that email, I interviewed her for my blog. And then I'm going to be on her podcast at some stage. So I could have just sat there and like read all her blog posts and scrolled her Instagram and felt really sad. But it was actually kind of doing something to take control and think, I'm going to use this to benefit my business and also benefit 
my audience because she's got stuff to offer them I've got stuff to offer her audience and just kind of making the connections actually on one of uh Sass Petherick's podcasts which I'll dig out to put in the show notes and I can't remember the name of the lady she was interviewing but she said that she was going through a period in her life where whenever she saw somebody that made her feel bad about herself she would try to make them her friend and it's kind of similar to that it's taking what is quite a negative emotional response and making it something that feels good so whether you know there's a potter and you think I just love her photographs well send her a cup and with your compliments or if there's somebody else that you could do like a collaborative range together or something like that where you're getting in front of each other's audiences you're being creatively inspired by each other and it's just all round more positive and you feel like you're getting something out of it rather than competing against that person yeah that's a lovely way of looking at it actually and that's would be a really nice thing to do I've kind of I've written that down in my notebook community Mm -hmm. over competition that's really lovely thing to remember Mm -hmm. I will definitely put that one into action (laughs) (laughs) so now we've cured you of your comparison so what's your kind of (laughs) yeah oh god that's that that's fixed (laughs) so in terms of kind of other challenges so your kind of working routine and stuff like that how how are you with that yeah well I'm a bit of a scatterbrain so um all the best creatives are (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) although I think you're probably being kind yeah I have real issues kind of focusing my energy so I'll have a really good to-do list of all the things that I'll need to do that day and because they're all kind of most you know they're all urgent I just can't seem to focus and get anything done so I'm kind of like doing bits of one thing and then I'll do bits of another thing and I get to the end of the day I don't really I've got anything done properly and I'm just like what the hell have I done you know I've been working for eight nine hours and I've only ticked off like two things from my to-do list and then it just feels a bit crazy that I can't my brain just like can't focus when I when I need it to (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it's really that kind of one thing at a time mentality that we all struggle with and I'm particularly struggling with it at the moment so do you would you say you're somebody who likes structure or do you rebel against structure I pretty much I think I rebel against Mm. structure I think yeah I like to do things kind of in my own time and in my own way I guess that's why I didn't really get on well in a corporate job because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't really I didn't really enjoy having a boss per se (laughs) Um, but I don't really tend to kind of get up at the same time every day and have you know the same breakfast I'll I'll, you know one day I'll get up at six and then the next day I'll get up at like nine Mm -hmm. and you know my day then is just different all the time. Mm -hmm. So what it sounds like to me is that you need to find a happy balance between some structure that helps you get stuff done but also have the flexibility to not feel trapped by that so something that I like to do and that I have in my business is having sort of themed days so for example a Tuesday is always my content day so I wake up on a Tuesday morning you know, at whatever time, because I'm a bit like you, but I know that that day I'm creating content. So there's none of that kind of first hour of like, oh, what should I do? <laughs> and I just know that I've got these blog posts to write, or I've got uh, photos to take, 
or I'm writing a course or whatever it is, that that's the day that I'm doing it. And then the rest of the week, I don't worry about that stuff because it has its a lot of time, which does help with the one at a time stuff because if I know that Tuesday's the day that I do that, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't think about it at all. Yeah. Because that's the day that it lives on. So it's very useful for kind of when something pops into your head and you think, oh, I'll go do that. You're like, no, it's that happens on a Tuesday, so I'll just put it on that pile. And to kind of separate things out like that, which is is still structured, but also not as, you know, rigidly structured. Sure. Yeah. Because I feel I do get a lot of those things popping into my head and I think, oh, I've just quickly got to do that now because otherwise I'll forget and then it'll never get done. And But then, you know, you can only have so many of those things happen in a day before yeah. <laughs> you haven't actually achieved anything. And with pottery is tricky because every day is different. You know, I might get three or four wholesale orders in a month so then I'll be really really busy making those that month and then the next month I won't have any so it's tricky for me to say okay well I'm just mm-hmm. going to make mugs on a Monday mm-hmm. and I'll make bowls on a Tuesday and I'll trim on a Wednesday fire on a Thursday it's really difficult to do that because it's so dependent yeah, yeah. on what I've got coming in and, and what I've got going out if you like mm-hmm. so it's quite tricky yeah what are the things that you always end up not doing because it sounds I'm imagining that the making generally always gets done because you've got deadlines around that and also it's the thing that you like doing so what are the things that really suffer from your kind of scattered way of working things that really suffer are things like blogging and writing in general anything to do with writing (laughs) I generally put off until it really is the last thing that I haven't achieved and I just need to do it. So anything like that. Also packing is another thing I really (laughs) don't like doing. So it's anything that I guess I don't enjoy Mm -hmm. gets put to the back of the list. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's having that balance of, you know, those things that you need to prioritise because you're always naturally going to prioritise the making and those things. And that perhaps it's a Friday afternoon thing that, you know, you put down the tools, turn off the wheel, and it's just that day or that afternoon that has a theme and you're like, yeah, this is my finishing things off and doing all the stuff that I hate day. (laughs) Um, Maybe don't call it that because then you're going to just dread (laughs) dread those days. But... That Don't would be on a Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might be a nice way to finish the week, just to be like, have a real sense of accomplishment that you got all those like nitty bitty bits that you didn't get to finish. And having, just keeping your last, your Friday afternoons clear and just saying, right, these are the, and then I catch up with my to-do list always on a Friday afternoon. I think you have to budget time for the stuff that you're not doing. Yeah. Because when if you try to fit it in with your day-to-day and the stuff that you do like doing, it doesn't get done. And then that means that during the week, you're not going, oh, God, I've also got to do this. Oh, God, I've got to do that. Because it's got a time and a place that it happens. Yeah, just kind of like getting it out of your brain mm. so that you can then go, no, okay, this is the time that I need to think about that. So you're not kind of like worrying about it all through the week. You're just like, nope that's fine Mm -hmm. I know I'm gonna do that on Wednesday yeah and then have some sort of like sprint times and and the Pomodoro technique if you've heard of that oh no what's that I can't even remember it's something to do with tomatoes that's named after (laughs) I can't remember why it's named after tomatoes but anyway it's it's about like setting a 30 minute timer 
and you just do one task in that 30 minutes and the idea is that it just gets done so you like don't kind of idly pick up your phone or go and do something else if you're packing you're packing for half an hour and you're doing nothing else I love that Mm. I think that would probably really work for me because there's nothing like a time you know a little bit of pressure to get my brain focused it's like Mm -hmm. you know come on Cara you need to do this because otherwise you're not gonna like get to the post office in time or yeah so Mm. setting a little alarm maybe for myself and putting my phone in another room (laughs) (laughs) might be be handy and sometimes as well if you actually start off doing like I'm just going to do this for half an hour by the time you've been doing it for 20 minutes you're so into it that you do just carry on and and finish it yeah no I love that I love that all of those techniques I'm definitely going to try that yeah especially the Pomodoro I think that would be really that would suit me really well because it's like then you you know you achieved at least half an hour of that thing so it's kind of like it's almost like oh well done you've actually done half an hour of it so you don't have to feel so bad about it so let's get on to the juicy marketing stuff so where whereabouts and how are you marketing the business at the moment and What's going really well for you and what do you think needs some improvement? So I have my own website and I am on Instagram mainly. I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, but I don't really put much energy into them. I just kind of like post on Instagram Mm -hmm. and then share it to the others. And I do try to blog on my website and try and kind of use Instagram to funnel people over to my website mm-hmm. and I, I try um I've done a big push over the last kind of year to put much more energy into my site rather than putting energy into places like Etsy because you're always kind of at the mercy of Etsy you know if they kind of suddenly go out of business then that's that yeah. but if you have people coming to your website and trusting you then it's kind of more secure for the future. So, and I know part of that is, you know, getting people onto my website via my blog and, um, you know, giving them extra value in that respect. But writing is really, really something that, you know, it's not a talent for me. It takes me hours to write anything. You know, if I want to write a blog post, it'll probably take me about four hours yeah Yeah. and you know I'll reread it and reread it and reread it and it doesn't you know it's not really making sense anymore in my own head so I have to get my husband to read it (laughs) and then I have to get someone else to read it before you know I have that confidence in order to publish it Instagram I'm a little bit better at so I I try kind of to do like kind of mini posts every now and again on Instagram you know when you write longer posts and I don't tend to take as long doing them I don't know why I don't know why my brain does that but I'll feel a little bit happier about putting those out into the world I guess because they've got a shorter lifespan maybe they're only you know around for a couple of days and then people forget about them but yeah so I just kind of struggle with the writing aspect of my marketing really yeah so it sounds like there might be a little bit of perfectionism going on which coupled with the fact that it's not something that you feel confident about kind of just means that it is taking you all that time so what is it that you think takes the time is it like coming up with the ideas is it the actual putting finger to keyboard yeah um probably not the ideas so much I kind of I've always like jotting down like bits and bobs that I can be kind of talking to um my followers about and you know ideas me and my hobby I'll I'll chat through 
it's more about kind of composing them and, and making them make sense <laughs> in writing mm-hmm. form. You know, I'm quite happy to chat to someone about about something, about a subject that um, you know I'm interested in, or I think my um, followers would be interested in. But when it comes to putting that into words, I really struggle with that. Um, I should probably mention that I'm dyslexic as well. Mm-hmm. So that's probably not helping the situation. Is, you know, I know that I've got what I want to say in my head, but it's trying to get it out in a way that makes sense to anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you feel more comfortable talking generally? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I wonder if that might be something to try is maybe recording yourself talking about the thing that you want to talk to or even if like you just have a conversation with your husband about this topic and record it and then transcribe it. That's a really interesting idea actually. I've never thought of doing that before and I think that would really help. And that's something that can help as well if you worry about getting your voice across through writing which I know is a lot something a lot of people worry about like does this sound right does this sound like me that actually recording that and transcribing it gets you into the habit of writing how you talk because you're you're literally writing it out so that might be something to try and to work on with that Um, that's a really nice idea um and actually do you know what I used to do that at university so did you yeah when I had to write you know a dissertation (laughs) (laughs) I actually did have a dictaphone back in the day when you had like you know actual Mm. discs that went into (laughs) something and (laughs) recorded on it uh I used to do that I used to, to say what I wanted to say out loud and then put it into my essays but I completely forgot that I ever did that until you just <laughs> yeah. mentioned it then but yeah that I think that would work really well and also kind of mixing up the content that you have as well because the, the internet has always traditionally been quite word heavy and word driven particularly because that's what google uses and pinterest uses to drive traffic but it's not always the way that's going to be really engaging so I always talk about having like different purposes for your blog content. So if you've got a blog post which you really want to be showing up on search because it's a how to throw a teapot, for example, then that really needs to be kind of wordy because you need it to be showing up on Google and all the other places. But if there's something which is a lot more about people getting to know you and maybe is a bit more personal, then look at different ways to do that that doesn't have to be wordy. So maybe it's a video, maybe it's a very image heavy post and you use the images to tell the story or maybe it is like a a, almost a podcast recording but you can kind of just embed it in the blog post and people can listen to it there so it's kind of making that balance between what the search engines need and then actually how you're going to be engaging your people and multimedia is always going to be the most engaging thing full stop so it's kind of being a little bit more clear and not just thinking this is a blog post it needs to be like this it's like right this is a piece of content what job do I need it to do and how is the best way that I can create it for it to do that job Okay. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it, actually thinking about it as content rather than as blog, because Mm. just that word, blogging, actually makes me feel, you know, a little bit anxious. (laughs) (laughs) But then to make it into something else, you know, it's not it's not that it can be, you know, like you say, it could be a recorded piece or a video that actually makes me feel a little bit more kind of like, Oh yeah, that's achievable. Mm -hmm. I can you know, I can do that. So how does this translate into like your email marketing and stuff as well because that's somewhere else that is quite wordy yeah I find that really hard (laughs) as well so that is another 
task, which basically I will just, it takes me hours to write, you know, I don't know, not even 200 words. Mm. It literally takes me hours and I'll just, I'll just be like, what, what am I trying to say here? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, email marketing is really, really difficult yeah. for me as well. So is that the overthinking what it should even be that's taking the time there? Yeah, and saying something that I think will be interesting for other people mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, it's such a privilege to get to be in someone's inbox these days, especially with the old GDPR <laughs> coming into play, that I always want it to be, you know, I want it to be interesting. I want people to want to read it mm-hmm. and not just say, hey, I've just made some mugs. Do you want to buy them? Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. want it to be more than just that, yeah. but it's hard. Yeah, but that's the first part, though, is definitely having that right attitude because I'm such a great believer in that as well and that the inbox is kind of like this little sacred, intimate space and because it's the only place online that's invite-only. So, yeah, to be allowed in there is a really big thing and it's always your biggest fans that will be letting you in. But on that note, they are your biggest fans so they'll always be the ones who are a little bit more forgiving and will be kind of rooting for you so you don't need to kind of worry too much about that kind of what will people think thing because they're the people who are most on your side and you're so right to be focusing on trying to be really really valuable so the best thing to do to provide value is go back to who these people are and just think about what they need like what what is valuable to them and you could even ask the question in like an Instagram caption or in one of your newsletters that, you know, I'm having a little think about how I can provide more value to you guys here. What are some things that you'd love to hear about? And ask that question because people love to give their opinion and inviting that just is a really easy peasy bit of market research that you can do that can really direct that. So I would think about that and think about what do people need to see? And again, try and think of, content that you can use that isn't going to be overly wordy so it might be if you send like a mood board of what you're working on at the moment and how and then you can write a couple of sentences about how that's inspiring you and how that's translating into your work and this photograph has become this mug and this is how I did it I imagine that's the kind of thing people are going to find really valuable from you to get under the skin of your creative process and show those kind of behind the scenes parts that nobody else gets to see, which can be very visual and a couple of sentences rather than sending a really wordy letter because people probably, in the nicest possible way, are already really scanning it anyway and you're spending hours agonising over it. Whereas actually if you can make it kind of nice and visual and kind of more quick and let people get under the skin of you and your business in that way, that might be a nicer way to to go about it and that's not going to make you spend hours. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, I'm there agonising and spending like (laughs) five (laughs) hours writing something that... People aren't generally, you know, they might they might read it if I'm very, very lucky and they're very, very nice, but then they might not. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, God, all that time. Mm-hmm. I could have made 12 mugs in that time. <laughs> yeah. But also think about repurposing your content as well, especially if this is always something that will take you time. Get the most value you can out of it. So if you are writing or creating a piece of content, never just use it once. Okay. Use it in lots of... So if you've got like a potteryware to start, 
blog post. Yeah. And in there are a couple of, you've got like the list. So that's a good one. You've got a list in there, which is start your own pottery kit for under £12. So you could use that as an email, put that there. You could use that also as an Instagram caption. Yes, I have actually used it on Instagram yeah. already, but yeah, I have never used it. I've never thought about using it for emails. So yeah, that's a good, very good point. Mm. So if you've got a blog that's like top seven tips, that's like seven Instagram captions. You can use a couple of them in emails. That's something to put on Facebook if you ever wanted to. That's some stories content as well, possibly a live content if you want to do that. And things like um, your outreach as well so this is what I do I also get really ahead of myself so I'm planning you now an outreach strategy but um so if you were for example wanting to be featured in a certain magazine well you've got a blog post that would be great for that magazine or or their blog or whatever then kind of just rehash it and use that okay or if something just went out in an email use that something that that I've done is that I was interviewed on a podcast and then wrote a blog post which was basically the same conversation with just like a little few bits added in once I'd had time to think about what I was saying so it can all be used in lots of different ways so never just think right I've spent four hours on a blog post and that's that because you can also repost it later just under a kind of different title and things because you know nobody remembers what you posted six months ago yeah. Tuesday the 17th of September, what did you post? <laughs> I have done that before. Recently I just read something that I wrote back in 2015 I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that was alright. So I just basically <laughs> just changed the title and, you know, kind of did an introduction and said, you know, I, I know I shared this already but you probably haven't read it so here it is again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And people are only really thank you for that for because... They, people are coming to you all the time so nobody's seeing what you've not everyone's seeing what you've done in the past so bringing that back up and you start to see that on Instagram a lot more as well some of the bigger Instagrammers are starting to say hey, here's this one again you liked yeah. it before so have yeah. it again and it was a reason why it was you know good the first yeah. time don't try and reinvent the wheel every single time when you hit on something that really resonates with people really nail down on that and think well how else can I talk about this how else can I show this where else can I show this rather than be like well that was really successful what do I do next that's equally successful yeah put it in a drawer and never think about it ever again so yeah with your email and stuff is that the kind of the main problem or is it getting subscribers in the first place and all that kind of malarkey as well yeah I mean goodness me it's so hard isn't it to try like just by asking people please subscribe Mm -hmm. you know they're never going to subscribe unless you've actually you know you're giving them something in return which is fair enough I feel Mm -hmm. exactly the same Mm -hmm. I don't sign up to anyone's emails unless I'm really really into what they're doing so it is hard to get new subscribers, isn't it? Yeah, how, you, do you it? You how do you do it? <laughs> how do you do it? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, because marketing your email list is almost the same as marketing your product. And because it's a similar result at the end. So with, when you're marketing your product, you want people to exchange money for what you do. Whereas with your email list, you just want them to exchange their attention and their contact details for what you do so it's it's the same but just on a kind of lesser scale so I think the first step is kind of being really clear about 
what the value will be in your emails so like we were just talking about having a structure so for mine for example there's always like a there's a formula to my newsletter it's never one thing one month and then something completely different you'll always be getting the similar stuff so that means that I can market that and say this is all the value you're going to get every single month Uh, okay and so if people want that then that's good and I'm really kind of open about that and not kind of saying it will be news because let's face it no one cares about somebody else's news (laughs) so it's being really clear in where you're talking about it that what they are actually going to get and make that something that is valuable to them. And also one of the best things is having an opt-in or lead magnet, although I really hate the word lead magnet. So I'm right in thinking you've got like a something to do with seven steps to... I have. I actually did one of these, which was really successful. Mm. Yeah, my seven top tips for life as a potter. Mm. I did exactly that. I kind of shared one tip every day on Instagram and then at the end I kind of collated all of the tips onto one into one like PDF I Mm -hmm. guess you like and then I suggested that if people wanted to have all those tips they maybe wanted to share them with people or you know have them in their studio or you know it might be something that they want to read all at once that they download it and the way to download it is to exchange their email address <laughs> so yeah I did that and it was really really good and I kind of doubled my mailing list in like a week from just doing that so, so that's really good and that's kind of proof that that worked one thing that I am going to say and kind of challenge you on is please what, do <laughs> who who did you get downloading that did you get other potters or did you get potential customers well yeah that is an interesting point I think I got potters at the very beginning of their pottery Mm -hmm. journey Mm -hmm. so people who weren't necessarily making a living from pottery so people who maybe did it as a hobby on the side and then a couple of those people I do know have then gone on to buy Mm -hmm. so a bit of both yeah (laughs) the mixture yeah that's what I would say with kind of thinking about opt-ins is be really clear on who you actually want to be getting on your email list because it's very easy when you're you're good at something and you're, you're you're thinking about being a potter all the time but actually thinking who is the customer and what is actually useful to them and what would they really appreciate so because you make tableware and stuff something like a little dinner party guide where you show your pots or not pots plates <laughs> styled up as a dinner you maybe have like a recipe in there and you show some different styling options and that might be just a nice like little booklet for people to have so things like that and what I'd also say is to keep refreshing your lead magnets because if somebody's following you now and they haven't signed up for this one they're, they're not going to sign up in six months time <laughs> so always kind of making sure there's something new for people to sign up for intermittently so I tend to do something different every quarter um, and it's not it's not always a downloadable it might be like a email support thing so like a five days to a better email list for example and, and things like that so you it's again something you can get really creative with so one thing that I did actually which might be interesting for you is one of my opt-ins is a video so it's a link to to watch uh it was a live broadcast I did like last year but you could put like put it on YouTube and password protect it or even just embed it in the email that that people receive and it might be like 
you you plotting and giving some tips or it might be something else that would be really relevant to your audience and would be really interesting like to show the behind the scenes and get them really engaged and talking through your design process maybe okay yeah no that's a really good idea and it means I don't have to write it as yeah, well exactly <laughs> yeah. okay great how are you feeling about that now a little bit more positive have you got any more questions that you want to sort of ask about those things so each new thing that you do every quarter mm-hmm. what do you do with it after you've kind of finished with it do you put it on your website somewhere or do you so mine I have kept all together so here's a little plug for everyone listening um <laughs> go to my website there's a free resources page um and on there I just kind of add to it so I think there's like four or five things that you get when you sign up at the moment so you just get all of them whether you like it or not but some of them I have retired something recently and now I'm gonna think right how where can I use that so that was quite a big ebook so I might start breaking that up into blog posts and stuff now yep that makes sense so let's think about your next steps so where do you kind of want to be sort of in the next three months by the end of the year in the next year Well, so the next three months, I have a bit of a mammoth project going on, which is that I'm getting a brand new spanking studio built in in my back garden, which is very exciting because it's kind of been a dream of mine from, you know, since forever to have a bigger space so that I can actually invite people to come and share the love of pottery with me. At the moment, my studio is tiny and there's not even really enough room for me in there, (laughs) let alone a wheel and a kill and shelves and pots. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'm waiting for delivery to take delivery of this new studio, which will be built in July. And then hopefully by the end of summer means that I can offer workshops uh, Mm -hmm. to people. So that's really exciting and that's kind of filling my mind at the moment with just, you know, trying to get that ready and all the things I need in order to host workshops. So I can't really see beyond. No, yeah, that's fine. And and what that will do is like change the six month and the year and the three year goals because that is all kind of hanging on that. And that's really, really interesting because that kind of in-person experience is a very different kind of way of marketing because you're marketing yourself a lot more because people have got to feel confident and comfortable coming to your house and and being in a room with you for hours on end so I think some of the stuff we've been talking about about bringing yourself in and those videos and voice recordings even and even just being on stories and getting yourself across will be really useful for for marketing those and also so some of your kind of content and opt-ins around how to be a potter that will actually be really useful for starting to market these much um, more relevant yeah <laughs> to sell mugs yeah. yeah so yeah getting really clear about who these workshops are for and so are they for people with a bit of experience who want to come or brand new fresh people who aren't even thinking about being a potter at all but just want a fun afternoon um so thinking about who those workshops are for and then creating the content and the opt-ins and stuff around those people and what their kind of problems are and what they would need to know yeah goodness me I've got so much to think about (laughs) (laughs) a few months Mm. god wow 
So and and also going right back to the beginning when talking about collaborating with people, if you have other sort of local-ish potters that you can get to talk about the fact that you're doing workshops. So even if they don't do workshops, they've probably got followers who love what they do and if they were doing a workshop, they'd buy it. So if you can kind of get them to talk about yours, you're getting in front of those audiences too. So maybe you could do like a little open workshop when it's all built and invite some local-ish potters or even just other Instagrammers or maybe independent shops and things like that who would have audiences that would be your same audience and get them to come around, share it, put it on stories, have a piece of cake and make connections that way so that you're also promoting the workshop specifically rather than just your work. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. I've kind mm. of seen other people do that. And I think that is a really nice thing to do is yeah. to invite people into the space and get them to be your advocates, if you like, and, and give them a really nice afternoon so that they'll hopefully go away and say, oh, I just had a really nice afternoon with Cara and her new mm. shed. Mm. <laughs> do go and see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And even people so say somebody with a really nice independent shop near you and somebody comes in is looking at their pottery and be like oh I'd love to do this well actually you know what I went to somebody's new shed (laughs) and she's doing workshops now let me give you her card and so thinking about it like that because marketing a, a physical space is very different because obviously people will travel but most people will be local so it's really you have to dig a lot more into offline spaces when you're marketing a physical place than you do kind of selling work online what do you mean by offline oh offline so well as it sounds really things that are offline so like I was saying about the shops or if they're thinking about who you're target market is so let's say for example you went to the WI the local WI and did a demonstration and then said oh by the way I've got a a studio space here and my workshop dates that would be a kind of offline marketing okay Um, those kind of things so looking at things that aren't necessarily going out to the whole wide world but are just really focused on specific people in a specific place yeah and I guess you need less people you know to see it to get enough people to fill a workshop you know yeah yeah the workshops are only going to be, you know, they're going to be quite intimate. There's only going to be really space for like six. So mm. only really need six people. Yeah, at yeah exactly. Want to come to kind of make it a success. Mm. Well, I've just thought of something actually mm-hmm. you mentioning about kind of future goals and that in the longer term, I'm hosting workshops in my studio, but I would love the opportunity to be able to travel and go mm-hmm. to other people's studios for my business to allow me to travel would be uh is a big goal of mine Mm -hmm. so to I don't know if you know there's a potter called Tortoise he's called Eric Landon he's very very famous on Instagram and he travels the world and basically hosts workshops in Sydney in Hong Kong in Mm -hmm. wherever and um yeah I'd love to be able to do that one day that's kind of you know very stretch goal but it's on the to-do list Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hopefully something that I can achieve one day yeah so what that sounds like what's key for him is having built a worldwide audience that demand him and demand his presence and I I love having goals like that that are obviously really far in the future but that that can just shift your decision making in the present day so it's it's things like say for example a 
blogger from Australia got in touch with you and would love to do an interview with you and saying yes because actually even though you can't really ship to Australia yeah you still want to be building an audience there um and I so can, though. <laughs> well yeah you can <laughs> actual fact I do ship all around the world yeah by the way everyone she does ship Just around so the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so yes it wouldn't be probably your preferred place to ship but yeah, so it's little shifts like that where you just have that in the back of your mind as something that you're working towards so that you make tiny incremental decisions now that by five years time, you're in a place to do it. And kind of when you're trying to prioritise tasks and you think, well, actually sitting and going through all my Instagram comments and replying to them no matter where they are in the world is actually a good use of my time rather than send one email, for example. So yeah, it's one of those things to have as a guiding light rather than you know start booking your hotel in yeah. Sydney <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a way off yeah. yeah but that's where those collaborations can help as well and kind of getting in touch with people around the world other potters and building relationships with them so that you're then again in that place where you're ready to go you know what so and so I've got quite a few people there who are saying they'd want one of my workshops. Shall we do this? And so building those relationships now, start building those now, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always reply on Instagram comments. <laughs> yeah, I'll just always, I always try. I always try anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of very bad at not practicing what I preach on that. I My kind of introverted self sometimes finds that very problematic. I just can't bring myself to look. But it's just the best way to build genuine rapport and relationships and engagement because I always think people, it might have taken them a lot to pluck up the courage to post that comment and the least you can do is like it. (laughs) Definitely. Send them a smiley face. (laughs) Good. So that's your really, your goals for the next couple of months is really kind of focusing on your new studio and thinking about your working routine with that as well and kind of making sure that you're getting the stuff you hate done um and starting to put things in place to think about collaborating with the people that make you feel comparisonitis and maybe then, I could host a work a guest workshop for them yeah they could come and, you yeah. know we could host it jointly That's yeah really the space idea. is like a really it's really opening up a lot of options for you to do really interesting stuff so I think that would be really exciting for you and then yeah also looking at content ideas that don't necessarily take writing and thinking about that with your email as well and just making sure that everything that you're creating has a job to be doing and that it's created in a way that helps it to do that job yep great I have I have a I've scribbled down a lot of things that I will be added to my to-do list in the coming weeks. But all good, all good things. Good. So I've got one last question for you, which is how do you grow with soul in your work and life? I have two things okay. that I'd like to offer That's out. So the first one I would say is don't say yes to everything. And that's more of a kind of like a selfish thing in a way to kind of preserve your own energy and to mean that you don't end up doing something, you know, your passion doesn't turn into something that you actually don't like just because you've said yes to every single commission that's come in or, you know, you've said yes to that craft fair that's like up in Scotland, which is Mm -hmm. going to take you eight hours to drive to and, you know, you have to do it on your own and it's going to be outside in the pouring rain. It's going to be no fun. Um, 
so I would just say to people, you know, think about what you want out of your day and try and, you know, go with the things that you really enjoy doing. I know that we've just talked about trying to get the, that stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Don't enjoy doing, but those things aren't really a choice. I have to write emails and I have to package mm. up my work so otherwise it doesn't get there. But there are some things that are a choice and just be conscious about that. Mm-hmm. And second thing, this is more of a kind of like outward looking piece of advice, if you can call it that, is to treat every customer as if they are your first one. So to give them that kind of excitement and the feeling that you're really, really, really grateful for their custom, for every single person that buys every single thing from you. So not even, you know, just the tiniest thing to the biggest thing. Treat them with the same kind of excitement that you did when you got your first customer. And that's what I try to do every day is every customer is so special to me and it really means the world that they trust me enough to buy one of my mugs or to buy one of my you know, dinner sets. And I try and get that across to them that, you know, they really, really are amazing and I value them. And that's it. That's lovely. <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> so where can people find you if they're intrigued about your Devon-inspired pottery? Where can they find you and speak to you online? Yeah, so you can find me at my website, which is caraleeboardceramics.com. So Cara with a K and Lee, L-E-I-G-H, ceramics.com. And you can find me on Instagram, which is where I normally am. I'm not, I am on Facebook and Twitter, but not really. <laughs> so my Instagram is caraleeceramics. And yeah, that's where I am. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me and sharing everything. And it's been so fun to chat to you. Thank you, Katie. I'd just like to say that I absolutely love reading your blog. I just think it's amazing. And I've been a big fan for for a really long time. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'll give you the fiver afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Cara. Well, that was episode three. I hope that you found some really useful nuggets of advice and inspiration in there and are feeling pumped up to go and achieve some goals. All the links mentioned will be in the show notes at supportandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can come and find me and Cara on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Cara Lee Ceramics or you can use the hashtag, hashtag growwhistlepodcast to connect to other listeners and share where you're listening. Just to let you know that if you are listening to this as it goes out, I am going to be running a free summer accountability club over the 2018 summer holidays. I know that summer can be full of distractions and a real balancing act for a lot of people, so the accountability club is there to keep you gently on track with your business by sending you some email prompts of things to be doing and keeping on top of and also having a Facebook group community to get some accountability and community going on. It's all completely free so go to simpleandseason.com forward slash accountability club to sign up. Until next time, I hope you grow a soul. <laughs>